Hello and welcome to a special and bonus episode of the One Up Pod, where we're taking a look at a game we reviewed briefly back in March. It's our Cyberpunk 2077 spoiler special. In 2077, they voted my city the worst place to live in America. Main issues, sky-high rate of violence, and more people living below the poverty line than anywhere else. Can't deny it, it's all true. But everybody still wants to live here. This city's always got a promise for you. Might be a lie, an illusion. It's there, just around the corner, and it keeps you going. I am Chip, and today I'm joined by my preem tombs. It's Becky. Hello. And Andy. What up, gonks? <laughs> and as I mentioned at the start, back in March, CD Projekt Red released a next-gen upgrade for Cyberpunk that Andy reviewed, and I was also there. But since then, Becky and myself have played it and completed it, so we thought it'd be a great time to come back and discuss all the story beats and the reveals and the drama and look at the game's uh, renaissance in the past month or so. So, Andy, I know your opinion on Cyberpunk. I was aware back in 2020 when you gave it a perfect score when you released it. When you released it? Sure. (laughs) Don't put this on me. I'm not to blame for what happens. (laughs) But I think it probably felt like that at the time, right? You got a lot of shit over your review. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing that your overall opinion of the game hasn't changed too much in the last two years. Still a big fan of it? Yeah, I I believed it on release. I believe it. I think I believe it more now because of the next-gen upgrades improved it so much. I do think it's one of my favourite RPGs I've ever played. It, I don't know if it's my favourite CD Projekt Red game yet, but it's very close to like Ooh. taking The Witcher Freeze crown. Okay, interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And of course, I already know my thoughts on the game because they are in my brain. So I want to know your thoughts, Becky, to begin with, because obviously when I started playing it, I was sort of annoying Andy a lot by going, oh my God, this bit. But because we knew we were doing this episode, we haven't really been able to hear your very sort of overall general opinion of the game. So I'd like to start there, if that's okay. Yeah. So I like it more than The Witcher 3. Which okay. I think is a good start for me. Um, <laughs> that is progress, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's on the good side of fine. With the caveat that I think it's it warrants multiple playthroughs before I decide for sure how I feel about it. I feel like only playing it once doesn't give you the whole thing. Partly because I didn't figure out the mechanics um, until about three quarters of the way through the game. So I spent a lot of the time just very confused <laughs> and kind of bumbling through situations rather than... <laughs> actually know how to play the game Um, that's how i live my life well yeah exactly and you know after a while you think i actually want to know what's going on (laughs) um so yeah so it took me a really long time to get into it and i knew you guys like you were really on board with it so i was like am i missing something and then suddenly it clicked and i was like oh i get it now and then the game ended so um i'm gonna give it another go (laughs) I like to think at that exact second. It's a very short, surprisingly short main campaign. Like I was just, bla- I was going through it on my review, and then suddenly I hit the bit where it was the end game. And said, "This is the point of no return." Like, what? Yeah. Nowhere. Nowhere. I knew it was shorter than The Witcher Three, but like The Witcher Three is like endless. So <laughs> I expected it to be a bit longer. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, once I got into the swing, um, it was a lot of fun, um, and I really like what it's doing thematically and stuff, which you know, we will get into later, but just in terms of like the general kind of 
cautiony science fictiony dystopia vibes that's very much my jam so um i am on board for another playthrough i've just started again um as a corpo male v this time i was a street mm. kid female v last time so so yeah we'll see see how it goes that's the same um, way i did it i did female uh, street kid to begin with and then i did a male corpo for my second run that's ah, that was sort of like an interesting like you know very opposite ends of each other the nom- yeah. nomads kind of just floating off like a nomad and like, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done a proper nomad run yet yeah that was that was my thinking was that it's kind of the other end of the spectrum so i'll get a different perspective of night city in the story um from what i had before rather than it being too repetitive so i quite like that that's an option with the different backgrounds and that's pretty much my plan as well like i haven't started a second run yet but i i did a male street kid and then i was going to do a female corpo on my next run nice um just because what you said, Becky, like it just feels like the exact opposite. And I'm planning, you know, I like to do a dickhead run of games every now and then. So that's what I'm going to do with this. Because I feel like <laughs> if, if there was an opportunity to do a dickhead run of Cyberpunk, it would be with a corpo. I've, so I've I'm just going to go like... Sorry to interrupt. I've already started being a dickhead as a corpo. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You see, it just works, yeah. doesn't it? Sorry. It just works. And I want to make her like kind of like a falling down character where she just goes insane and is just using guns and um, weapons and stuff because I was very much a hacker as a street kid. So now I want to go all guns blazing and use all of the fun weapons that are available. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's interesting because like for my female street kid, I was very much like action oriented, but that's mostly because mm. I understood the action mechanics more than the hacking mechanics early on <laughs> go and go bang yeah. and by, by the end like with becky by the end of my first run i experimented enough with all the different player styles that i thought okay i want to get a bit more in detail with this so my male corpo was a lot more hacking and stealth oriented so yeah that, that was interesting it's really cool how you can mix it up like that like it's every playthrough can be different yeah, I'm I'm going for, for stealth and hacking now. I actually understand. And also like putting more thinking into the build of it because I didn't realise until about a few days ago that there were actually multiple skill trees you could upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like sat there, like I'd done all the um the quick hacking once and I was like, Oh, there's gotta be like more to upgrade and then I looked and was like, Oh, there's an there's another tab. And clicked on it and obviously hadn't got any of those and was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> That's quite cool though, because you've got this like really unique build. And then when you go and play it again, you can have this other really unique build because it'll just be like, yeah, it'll just yeah, work. Rather than mine, which was just scattered all over the place. Yeah, exactly. So when I said I really didn't get this game until the very end, um, I really didn't get this game until the very end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was like you, Becky, because like I struggled to get into the game at first. It, I was I was really worried for such a long time that I wasn't gonna like it. And as I said back in uh, when we reviewed this in March, like I much prefer like FPS games on a keyboard and mouse. And I was playing this on my PS5 with a controller like a fucking scrub. So <laughs> that was an issue already. And then like the, the shooting felt off to me, and I, I didn't understand the whole hacking stuff either. The driving felt quite clunky. Oh, the driving! Until I discovered there was an alternative camera, the driving was the bane of my life. I thought it was going to throw up. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of GTA Four in a way. It's like you're just like, oh, these cars feel really big and chunky, and oh god, they're going around a corner, sort of. It depends <laughs> on the car in that case. You, you, your default car True. is an absolute fucking refrigerator. Yeah. To yeah. drive. <laughs> like, like, really nicely nice ones to handle, but they cost a fortune. <laughs> but I think it, for me, like, um, it kind of started to click in once you get through that sort of big epilogue kind of thing, you know, when you first meet Johnny prologue. Silverhand for the first time. Uh, and then the, I the just, prologue. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Uh, epilogue's yeah. at the end. 
<laughs> Thank you. Thank it really you. took you a long time to get into the game, didn't it? <laughs> it's like, wait, the epilogue when you met Johnny Silver, how, how will you play this game? <laughs> Back to front is how I play it. It's how I play all games. Uh, just play it like um, in reverse. It's just it's much easier for me. <laughs> Oh, God, like, normally I wait until the end of these episodes before it falls off a fucking cliff, but I guess we're just going from the start today. It's the yeah. morning. We don't normally record in the morning. That's my excuse. It is quite early for us, yes. Yeah, so. very early <laughs> Well, whether I started at the end or the beginning or wherever it was, um, <laughs> like eventually the game just got, like, I just fell in love with it and I got just really hyper fixated with it as well to the point where it's mm. now one of my favourite games of all time. Uh, it hit me in exactly the same way that Witcher 3 did, where I just wanted to play it all day every day and anything that got in the way whether it was work or sleep or loved ones were just a burden to me at that point because <laughs> i just wanted to play cyberpunk and i think at some point i need to write something for the website about why cd project red games hit me in my soul <laughs> in the way that they do uh but that's 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 another subject for another day i love this game i'm really excited to play it again um and i'm but i am glad that i waited to play it because it, it turned out to be really worth it in the end yeah same i'm really glad i didn't try and attempt to play it when it was ps4 and buggy as shit so thank you andy for warning me off it yes <laughs> yeah thank you andy. that was the one thing i that's one one good thing i did for the world just told people not to play it unless you had like a really <laughs> expensive pc and you know a tolerance for penises clipping through jeans and stuff <laughs> i've got some great bugs to talk about if, um... oh i thought i wonder what you were going to say then to be honest <laughs> oh, i've got some great penises to talk about yeah <laughs> This isn't the Games Master podcast. Oh. <laughs> well, before we get into the ins and outs of the a lot of the story stuff, should we take a look at the location of the game? That being Night City. It's a place that has suffered and survived rising crime rates, numerous wars, and a nuclear blast. It's the backdrop to our cyberpunk adventure. It's run by corpo shitheads and organised crime gangs, and is very much a character in its own right, I felt. So with that in mind, I wanted to ask your thoughts on Night City and how you think it helps in terms of the world building of the game. Andy? I, I immediately felt like I connected to Night City, like when I first played it, like that first point where you pull out of the underground parking lot and um, where Jackie's driving you and then um, I think it's called Graves pops on the radio and like just seeing Night City kind of reveal itself slowly with like the neon hum and like just life teeming around you people getting slaughtered in front of you and stuff like that <laughs> it just really like every time i play it it still hits me the same way it feels like i'm just, just this whole world of possibilities opening up it's it might be my favorite open world reveal since uh, bioshock it's Ooh. a lot subtler than bioshock it's not quite as boom bombastic but like it just slowly unveils like the scale and the mood of the world it tells you a lot without spoiling a lot there's still a lot of things to discover when you when you get going into the game. Yeah, I really loved it. I um I love a photo mode in games, <laughs> and I went to town on this one of course. because it's just so beautiful to look at. I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you know this already, and I've probably unfollowed me because of it. But I just like I spent a lot of my time just looking up because the, the, because it's you know a cyberpunk world. All these like buildings are just built up to the sky, and there's just neon signs and just so much going on. So if I could get away without having to drive, I'd just walk around the city and just like explore it and just look up and just want to find everything that I possibly could about what was going on in the city, what was around this corner, what was down that alley, what was over there, what was in the sky. It was 
which I know just like pure wonderlust just walking around this this amazing thing and yeah I think I'm with you Andy I think it's one of my favorite settings for a game ever oh <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> <laughs> and Becky, now <laughs> I'll let Becky get, go first and then I've got other stuff I can say I just, I just think so I really like Night City and I really like the design and I like all the different districts I think um it's really nice how they all have their kind of their own identity and I think there's a lot of attention to detail that has gone into that and kind of the advertising um and all of like the weird kind of tech upgrades like the advertising in the road stuff like that how it's really interesting that you say this stuff to discover because I that was one of my downsides was that aside from crimes and violence and uh, graffiti I didn't think there was that much like to stumble on in in a way that you would in say The Witcher 3 for example so I don't know whether it was just me and how I was playing the game because I just I like have we talked about I have bumbled my way through but yeah that was my one drawback was that I wanted to kind of be able to wander and just wander into something without worrying about getting shot <laughs> and most of the time I just got <laughs> shot so yeah but you know overall um I agree with Andy it was a great reveal and I I really enjoyed sort of getting used to the setting and the different kind of atmospheres that you find around the the city but yeah I would have liked a bit more of like the nitty-gritty exploration stuff right at the ground level I think like dynamic events like in uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 kind of thing yeah, exactly. That that sort of thing that you just kind um, of stumble yeah. across and things happen. So so yeah, it was it was stuff like that. Like a lot of the NPCs were fairly kind of repetitive and once you'd sort of wandered into one accidental gang warfare, you'd kind of wandered into them all. So yeah, that that would be my my drawback. But for the most part I did love it. Yeah, I, I, I do understand what you mean there. Like when I said stuff to discover, I didn't mean like like you said, like secrets and stuff i just meant like discovering the world itself like mm-hmm. you say, yeah every every part of like night city has its own like identity it feels like it's mm-hmm. got its own law behind it um like they're following their own kind of logical development process like uh places will look like just masterworks of architecture in one part but some of them look like they've just been cobbled together from whatever materials were available to them because the city's left that part of the that part to rot and yeah. like glorified shanty towns and stuff like that there's, there's a lot of everywhere you go it's like telling a story about night city and the massive gap between the haves and have nots and it's, mm. it was it was kind of telling a story the more you just drove around it yeah that's that the thing that i really took from it like it could do more activity i guess like uh rockstar do but yeah i really i just loved the design of it, it had like a real mix of like Blade Runner and Akira like just mm. grabbing all these ideas from movies that I love so I, I just loved being in that world well I was the same yeah I, I kind of meant in that kind of aesthetic kind of way of okay. like just looking up and going oh it's, it's so pretty and stuff like that because there's definitely not a lot of yeah that dynamic kind of stuff and I think that was one of the things they I remember some years ago uh possibly when it was first revealed that they were working on the game that me and my housemate we were sat watching whether it was e3 or whatever it was at the time and they were kind of talking about how you could just walk around and you could decide to do anything talk to anyone and they did kind of build it as this kind of world where lots of dynamic events would happen so whether that changed the development because it did get a bit too difficult or whether Mm. they were you know putting it in a way that was an untruth (laughs) (laughs) an untruth an untruth maybe yes (laughs) but um yeah that 
not that it was a disappointment for me, but I would I would love if they were able to do that for a sequel because that yes. would be amazing. That was one of my all time favorite things about Red Dead Two was just walking around and being like, oh, there's some KKK members over there burning a cross. Okay, go and see what's happening over there. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think this world would really lend to some great stories if that if they could do that because everything's waypointed, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you just open up the map and you can be like, oh, there's a side quest or a thing happening over here. I'll go and investigate. So yeah, some more stuff like that I think would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. A bit more of an organic kind of. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Approach. Exactly. I think it it just feels a little unfinished uh, as it stands for I I guess for obvious reasons considering yeah. development hell. Yeah, I just wanted more of it. I liked what I had. So, you know, it's a positive ultimately, but yeah. Wanted yeah it's more. wanting more, which is always a good thing. Mm, yeah, like, exactly. One thing I did like, I saw um I, I spotted a bar called Dandelion, which I thought was a nice reference to The Witcher. Oh, that's cool. Ah, I didn't but, see that. Uh, and obviously just the abundance of dildo shops. Just so city. many sex toys. Like, it, an unreal amount of sex toys, frankly. <laughs> Best non-lethal weapon in the game <laughs> was the sex toy I had from the very start that I kept upgrading because it was so good at taking people out non-lethally. And it was funny. It, it was not being funny to me. It was I, I really, didn't know it was really a weapon funny at first. I just thought, why am I carrying this around? Am I, is this just a bit? And they're like, oh, you can actually get someone with it. Okay. So at one point, I accidentally hit triangle during a conversation with, I think it was Mama Wells, <laughs> so someone like of stature, and just <laughs> whacked out this massive dildo. And was still there, like, oh crap! I'm sorry. Sorry about your dead son. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Sir John Fallistiff. Um Yeah, it was just kind of like walked away like really sheepishly like can't believe i just got a dildo out at a funeral like (laughs) (laughs) oh becky that's something i would have done (laughs) it does feel like a chip story yeah i know (laughs) this is how far i've fallen (laughs) (laughs) so i I recall um, i was playing it like um it was quite late so i felt comfortable like putting it on and like playing it um caroline was next to me feeding the baby I was just there was a mission. It was one of the side quests where you're investigating. I can't can't remember which side quest it was, but you had to go into a sex shop, sex toy shop, to uh, <laughs> find out. And then our daughter walked in, and she started. She leaned in to look at the screen, and I didn't. Com- <laughs> I wasn't comprehending what she was looking at. And then I sort of went, shit. I paused it. I went, can you please leave? <laughs> what, was what was that on the screen? Nothing. <laughs> Sci-fi. <laughs> made up it's a sculpture <laughs> hope i don't give her a complex about anything but you know it's a gap. <laughs> please uh, 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 no, nicely handled well done <laughs> i'm still new to this whole fatherhood thing you know <laughs> it's not something they te- tell you about in books like, how to explain well, some sex books. Toys. massive amount of dildos on screen i've uh, all got to have that conversation at some point Well, let's take a look at a pretty big aspect of any game, really. The main story. So we are V, who, depending on what you choose at the start, as we said, you know, there's three different types of builds you can go for. You can be a street kid, a corpo, or a nomad. Uh, Three different character builds that can affect a lot of the ways other characters can treat you, how storylines can play out, how you complete missions, and your place in Night City. So no matter what your build is at the start, you are V, as we said, Uh, you're a character who is returning to Night City after an absence and you're looking for work. You're paired with your new best friend Jackie, 
with support from your Netrunner T-Bug, and you go around and do a bunch of jobs. Usually illegal type stuff, but there's also stuff where you're saving people, fetching things. It's the life of a mercenary. Uh, that is until it all goes wrong, and you end up with a chip stuffed into your head that contains the digital ghost of Johnny Silverhand, who is an anarchist war veteran rock star, and that's what it says on his business card, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he has more than a little beef with the Arasaka Corporation, mainly because they're the ones responsible for stuffing his mind into the Soul Killer program. So downside for V is that he now has this chip in his head, and very, very slowly, Johnny Silverhand's consciousness and mind is going to replace theirs. It's a race against time to stop that from happening and take down Arasaka on your way to the multiple different endings that the game has. So with that extremely brief and possibly not doing it justice description of the main story out of the way, how did we feel about it? So we're going to go into side quests and characters and stuff like later on, you know, but like much like The Witcher 3, a huge part of cyberpunk is made up of those stories and the people you meet along the way. And as we've already said, the main campaign is actually quite short, especially for a game like this. So, Becky, again, I'm going to start with you. So okay. you already told us about the build that you went for. But, yes. you know, can you tell us more about your V and your approach to the game? And how did you get on with the main story? Yeah. So, first of all, any excuse for Keanu is a good excuse. So very happy to have him as such an integral part of the game. Because um, I thought he was a cameo at first. And that like I didn't realise he was so much a part of the story which is great same i was exactly the same and i was just like the, his, as he kept showing up more and more i was like this is great i've got keanu as a best friend <laughs> which is a lifelong dream having been a fan of bill and ted since i was yeah, yay high yeah i i played a female street kid v and i kind of uh i, I kind of approached her as this kind of talking a big game um, and not necessarily being very good at it, largely because I wasn't very good at the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of took the approach that she was just sort of bumbling through everything um, on her way to become a legend. Um, and that she, but she still had that heart of gold. You know, she was going to help as, as many people as she could. Like I went for non-lethal as much as possible. Unless, of course, people started shooting at me, in which case, you know, all bets are off, really. <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I really, really liked the main story. Um, I would have wanted a little bit more of it, I think, but I, I think it's so adaptable for the way, you know, you can play it as a character. So especially, I think for me, playing it as a, as a female gamer and playing a game that's so much about bodily autonomy and, um, independence of choice and you know all of these kind of like the current climate of questions around a woman's right to choose etc to play it with a man inserted into your head as a character like it felt really like an interesting dynamic that I kind of wanted to the game to explore a bit more but I ended up doing a lot of that in terms of like how I played the relationship with Johnny um so I kind of played it as him having a redemption arc and the meeting in the middle which I thought was a really nice way of developing the story. So yeah, so that's kind of how I approached it. And I really liked it up until the ending that I got. But we'll talk about that later. But yeah, for the most part, Plucky Street Kid with a Heart of Gold was where I was coming from. And yeah, I liked it. Nice, nice. How about you, Andy? Because you've had a few experiences of playing it. Because uh, you've had a couple of runs, right? Is that Because yeah. you haven't done the Nomad one, but you've done the other two. Yeah, I've done the other two. Yeah. Okay, so how were both those experiences for you? 
I liked the, the, the street kid one. I was kind of playing it more. I was like, obviously they were street smart, so they were very good at handling like life on on the streets. But I didn't realize how completely out of your depth you are when you're dealing with the big, the power structures of Night City. When you start dealing more with the corpo side of things, until I played the corpo run, and you realize there's obviously the every build has unique dialogue options which play to their strengths, and the corpo side of things comes becomes really useful whenever you're dealing with a suit which becomes more and more like prevalent as the story goes on so i, I noticed it first in the uh the maelstrom gig you know where you're gonna go buy that um what the hell's it called the little spider robot thing mm. yeah, yes. you have to get that from maelstrom and you, you get called by um militech to a militech suit to meet them so i, I took i went to see them got the meeting <laughs> And I could, I had like corporal dialogue options, which like were seen through their bullshit and like kind of calling their bluff a bit, and like managed to wrangle them to pay, like give me a, a cred chip, to like pay for the deal. And because I was savvy to their shit, I knew that they'd obviously planted something on the cred chip to cause, just cause havoc when the me- deal went down. So mm. I hacked the, the cred chip, got rid of the malware, and I just used Militech's money to buy the, the spider robot. That's so cool. And That's very cool. Militech did end up attacking, but they were on the back foot here because they didn't have the element of surprise. So, like, Maelstrom was, like, fully prepared for them and, like, there was a bit more of an even fight, which I thought was a really cool difference. And just little things like that kind of happen, like, when you play multiple playthroughs, you're seeing how your character feels more at ease in different parts of the city. Like, I imagine the Nomad, like, bit run has a lot more... is a lot more, like confident and in control when they have to deal with um, the nomad tribes mm. it's it's a really cool way of like making each story different but ultimately it's the same story it's telling like becky says it's like the loss of self and like i, I kind of saw like alzheimer's parallels and the fear mm. of being something unfamiliar taking over your body some, that, that isn't you like it's blending these very personal like human fears of like big sci-fi concepts like the the digitization of assets and like making everything digital like like all the blockchain bollocks and things like that just all the fears <laughs> of technology kind of overtaking every every aspect of life and arguments about whether technology is helping with the evolution of humanity or is it breaking it down it's there's a lot of stuff going on it's i think Probably the, the length of the story is about right for all the things they're doing without like wearing them too thin. I fear if it was, I fear if it was like a Witcher three length story, a lot of these big ideas would start getting a bit played out. While I wanted more of it, I feel like I I did get enough story because there's enough side quests and stuff to satisfy me, and there's an expansion coming, so I'm, I know I'm going to get more. So I wasn't, I didn't feel too ripped off about the time I got. I do remember like quite distinctly the moment like where I, I knew I was hooked in with the game and not just like enjoying the atmosphere and like the general vibe. It was um, during the big heist when it was going wrong and um, Yorinobu Arasaka murders his father in front of you and you're like trapped behind the screen mm-hmm. like, watching it all play out and the, uh, the strings for the part of the score titled uh, You Will Never Have to Forgive Me Again kick into high gear and like then like the stakes feel like they're taking form like oh shit no matter what your build is you are like a very low level like mercenary and suddenly you're trapped in like this horrifying power struggle that's like just 
the gods of the city are playing out before you and I started thinking, oh shit, we are fucked. <laughs> and, so I was, it, it, and then everything just absolutely goes to hell and then poor dear Jackie like gets fatally wounded and and then he dies in front of you. Uh, that I remember that bit really got me. Like it, I realized how much how attached I'd got to Jackie after sh- such a relatively short amount of time with him. Because the line like "see you in the major leagues, Jack," just as you're about to leave, leave his dead body and send it off wherever you send it off, depending on your choices. Mm. It, it, it was a real melancholy to that moment, and I, it, it's something I hadn't really experienced in a game since maybe like Red Dead Redemption 2 or Death Stranding or something like it just felt it really like touched me and I felt like wow this the game's doing something here for me it's working and I'm in it for the long run yeah I think the prologue is a really really effective way of establishing the world the world building um you know we talked about Night City but also I think as well just the the kind of the power struggles and the political structures and how you know, there isn't really a political structure anymore. It's all corporations and, you know, it's intercorpo wars. And I think it's it's a really good way of establishing that context on a really personal level. And as you say, that scene with um, Yoronobu really shocked me. I did not see it coming at all. I was sort of sat there on the sofa, like mouth agape, like, oh no, oh no, I'm, I'm a witness to like the biggest crime ever. Great. Like, <laughs> This is going to go well. And I think it it does really well at that setting up that kind of level of dread and stakes for the rest of the story. Um, So, you know, whatever happens, it's you're playing in the major leagues without much behind you. And you've got to kind of figure it out as you're going along, which, again, worked really well through my playthrough. But, yeah, it's a really effective moment. I like that the game takes so long to build that up because the prologue's a good, what, five hours of play, I think? Yeah. Before you get into the main story. So I think it's a really it's a really strong opening to the game that I think had it been had it been any less, I don't think I would have kept playing. But the the Yoronobu hook is just insane as a as a an opening gambit. Yeah, and then then you after all that you're like just kind of reeling from all that stuff that happens. You get shot in the head. Yeah, <laughs> and so that, that's the start of the game. The credit, the the opening titles appear. Then you're like, oh wow, oh. they're not fucking around, and that's yeah. when you start realizing what the story is going to be going forward. The like the intimate stakes of the story, like compared to the the massive like big world affecting stakes as well. It's like, oh shit, yeah, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, and it really plays well with that. The the themes of kind of the individual versus the big corporation you know the late stage capitalism nightmare that night city is i think it you know it's a really good personal way into that level because you are an individual being affected by a piece of technology that has gone wrong and the only people who can help you are the big corporations but they're not gonna because they don't care about some merc with not much to the name so yeah, it's it's fun. It's really fun game for power dynamics and, you know, establishing V as a player in this world. It kind of, the, the game in the prologue kind of tells you how hard it is to make it in Night City as, as a nobody. Because the, the thing with the afterlife, having the drinks menu dedicated to the legends of the city. And it's a place where you either go out in a blaze of glory or you get chewed up and spat out. And when you look at the drinks menu at the afterlife, it's pretty small. 
So it kind of mm. tells you all you need to know about how hard it is to make it and the kind of things that are stacked against V to even make it onto that menu. And I, I found the game messed with my expectations quite a lot as well. You know, I've been playing video games for 30 odd years and you kind of get a sense of, okay, I've met this character now, we'll be friends, I'll do missions for them or and they'll join the team or that'll be that. You know, you get a vibe of where things are going to go. But then characters just start getting killed off or leave and like every time it just kind of shocked me like when um t-bug is taken out during that mission at the yes. start i i didn't realize uh they were dead until quite a way into the story i was like oh, i haven't heard from tip oh they're dead shit yeah. like i just thought they were going to be a character that would be around forever and um oh what's what's the lady that hires you at the start is it evelyn is that her name uh, yeah evelyn evelyn yeah 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 like her, the way her story goes, I found completely shocking as well. It mm. didn't go places I thought it was going to go, because I thought she was going to be a main character that we maybe have a romance possibility with and stuff like that as well. But nope, she dies. She gets killed as well. Horribly. And I, I like she is oh. thoroughly destroyed. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the more you find out about her as well and her life and where she where she's actually come from, because I thought she would be some sort of like big wig from another big corpo somewhere that was trying to steal data but it's a very very different story the way that goes and i felt like a lot of the stories went that way for me like i wasn't kind of nothing happened that i expected to happen Mm. and i think that's part of the reason why the story got me and that might be part of the reason why i love cd project red and why their stories just like burrow into my soul for some reason uh and even with johnny because i as much as I love Keanu Reeves, I think this is a testament to his performance in that game. I was fully expecting Johnny to be a bad guy, and I thought he was going to portray us at some point, yep. try and steal V's body, and that he would be the main villain in the end, and we'd have to either kind of fight an internal battle, or he'd get something like a Adam Smasher kind of body, and we'd have to fight him that way. And I know you can choose to do the game in a lot of different ways. You, you can bond with Johnny, or you can tell him to fuck off the entire time. But I, I was really wary of him at the start, and I really liked the way the game drip-fed his redemption arc into the story, because he is a shithead at the start. He's not a nice character. And he, not that he ever becomes a, a nice, solid guy, but you really understand where he's coming from. Mm. And I like the way they play off the idea that it's either you getting to know Johnny and you're becoming friends, or is it the fact that your consciences are kind of blurring and like he's been in your head for so long that part of him is you now and vice versa and that's where the change comes in so i really like the way they did that story and i ended up really liking johnny i tried my best to save him towards the end and yeah like we said the campaign is quite short and I, i'm really glad that it had that final mission warning pop up because i like it when games do that you know and you know you've got to go and mop stuff up now so well done cyberpunk for having that in i really did appreciate that <laughs> And I, I sometimes with games as well, like what's helpful about that is like I lose track of where I am in the main story because I'm someone who will go off and do as many side quests as I can possibly. Like ignore the main game, go and do all the side quests because I like being really over-leveled when it comes to the main game. Yeah. See how easy yeah. I finished uh, Horizon recently because I was like 20 levels over what was recommended for the final <laughs> mission. <laughs> um, but everything that comes out of the side quest, it kind of it's still the same story. Like it's characters you meet in the main quest give you side missions and then you do their story and it all just really blends quite seamlessly together I found that 
I even now thinking back, I struggle to remember what was a side quest and what was a main story because it's just so well told and so well done. And I've said it once, I've said it a gazillion times, CD Projekt Red are so, so good at telling these sort of stories in their games, and I love them, and I, I need to go and write something about that, probably <laughs> after we finish recording. I do think they're the best uh, Western RPG, as far as writing goes, like yeah. quest writing. I think they're, like, they've, they've surpassed Bioware. Bioware's fell off pretty hard at this point, and Bethesda yeah. don't release enough fucking games. <laughs> and no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> So I think CD Projekt Red are like they've been on the top for for quite a while, and this is just another example of that. Like you say, everything, it's the same kind of Rockstar. Like with Red uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, there's stories like side stories in that, which just feel like they fit to the big story. It's just all part of like a tapestry sort of thing. They're all interconnecting and feeding off each other and helping improve and tell the story in like lots of cool ways. Yeah, I like the fact that they don't. the The endings tend to be quite ambiguous as well. I, like, I, and I'm talking about the side quest, not necessarily the main ending. Yeah. But you know, there's lots of just ambiguity to how you know how these things turn out. Like, you know, is Jackie's death in vain? Is it wasted, or did he get what he want because he died in a blaze of glory on a big job? that people were talking about like so there's never an easy answer to any of the the stories that it's telling which i think especially in cyberpunk with all of the various themes that are flying around really works because you know there's no there's no real answer to whether technology helps us or hinders us because it's both yeah and you know it's a really brave uh, decision to to do that to not commit to a happy ending or a, a you know a neat happy bow ending i think is what i'm trying to say or even like a really bleak like unambiguously dark ending that's leaving yeah. you feeling uneasy at all times like was that the right choice to make right yeah. to the end you don't you're never entirely sure you've done the right thing mm. and that's just in this kind of world especially it just makes complete sense and nothing ever feels completely closed off either like even when you finish a side character's storyline like they may they may still pop up later like i was thinking about uh like river uh, the the police detective that you team up with in River. one of the standout side quests. Yeah, yeah, hunky cop. Uh, I love River. Um, I've actually got <laughs> River Heart in my notes. <laughs> Excellent. Guess who I romanced? I wonder. <laughs> well, I mean, I just like to point out that he tried to romance me and I turned him down. So sure, sure. yeah, but only because I was romancing someone I, else. I tried to romance him when I was a man and I got rejected. Oh, I interesting. Just, I just assumed he'd be bisexual at the very least. But well, no, I was a man and he hit on me. So all oh, right, he just didn't he, like he me. Hits then, I guess. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> I think he hits. He still hits on you, but when you go to kiss, that's when he's like. Eh. Not that way. Oh, what a tease. Yeah. He lost gear chicken, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. That's that's what I'm going to tell myself. I won. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> uh, I had a point that I was going to make about that, but now <laughs> gay chicken has <laughs> completely thrown me off. <laughs> NPCs oh. popping up. <laughs> yes. Literally. Because... <laughs> or not, if you're Andy. Um, but like... I like that you finish what you think is his kind of story, but then he'll just give you a call and he's like, hey, do you want to come around for dinner? And then you just go and have a, like another big interaction with him and you play quite a nice little story with him and his family. Mm-hmm. And I really like the idea that, although, yeah, these stories do have endings, but the possibility of them popping back up and something else happening is always there. Yeah, I like the fact that they like 
NPCs just called you. They were just like, hello, how are you doing? Yeah. That's nice. But you can call them and have a chat as yeah. well. <laughs> it's, it's... I called Judy all the time after she left. <laughs> oh, Judy's such you. a sweetie. Oh, yeah. It's a far cry from um, Roman calling you and asking to go bowling in GTA 4. Oh, yeah. Hey, cousin, want to go bowling? Fuck off. <laughs> no! <laughs> Not playing gay chicken with you, Roman. I'm drowning in misery. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, we've had a little chat about endings, so maybe it's a good time to talk about some of the endings that we got when we were playing the game. So, Becky, what ending did yeah, you get you, when you finished Cyberpunk? You said you had issues with the en- your ending. So I did. I really did. Um, so I got the sun ending. Which one's that? That's when V... Um, so Johnny walks across the bridge and V returns to her body and she becomes a legend in Night City. Um, and I had River waking up next to me because I called him before everything went down. Um, Are you okay? Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> you got very floaty I could, then. I could, yeah. I could almost see the blushing. <laughs> He's just so hunky. Yeah, I think so. And, and then what happens is V goes on a heist mission in space. Oh. And then it ends. You don't actually get to play that mission. For a game that is so much about choice and shaping the story to what you want it to be, that ending felt so closed off. Um, so you have yeah. this conversation with your love interest where they're basically like, I know you're sick. You know, I know something's going on. Why can't you tell me? And V takes on this job for a shady client that she's been building up for, for weeks. She's kind of running the afterlife now, unless Rogue is still alive then you go on this job because there's the hint that there is technology on the space station that you're going to that will help and will save you. But it just ends as V starts the spacewalk to the space station. It's not how I would have played that ending with V um, with the V I was playing because I think how I would playing it, she would have had a very nice happy six months, you know, enjoying the fame, enjoying a relationship and then going out, you know, as a legend and it just it felt very closed off for what I wanted for an ending. So I found it quite um, unsatisfying. That's yeah. really interesting because I got exactly the same ending as you, except I had Pan Am with me. Mm. But I, I read it in quite a different way. This oh, is really cool. Interesting. So, yeah, I quite like the ambiguity of that ending because the way I read it, and maybe it's just the way, you know, I played my V and the way I thought he was. But uh, because he's going... He's storming like it's an Arasaka like space station or something, isn't it? That he's going towards. Yeah. And what I kind of got was that he knew it was going to be a total suicide mission, mm. but he had to try anyway because that's what he'd been doing the entire time. The entire game was about him trying to survive and stay alive. And even though he was in these like incredibly impossible situations, he had to do it anyway. And it's got to the point where he's managed to get into a position where he's going to space. Even though he knows it's impossible, you know, he's not got Johnny, he's got no backup or anything like that. Complete suicide mission. He knows he's going to die and fail. And that that was kind of what I got from the ending. So oh, I really like uh, the differences in that. That's really cool. Yeah, I found it. I think I think it was for me, it was the scene with your love interest, like whoever that may be, um, depending on the V you played. It just felt like it just felt so cold. And I know there, there was sort of like there was a, a like six weeks or something, wasn't there, a gap between the end of yes. the game and you kind of waking up for this epilogue. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I felt, 
I felt like it was just kind of a bit of a cop-out, really. And I get what you're saying about the ambiguity. I think absolutely that is in there. I think just for the game I played, it just didn't work for me. And, you know, the V I was kind of embodying at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Andy, what endings did you get? I've had, well, I had two endings. Uh, my first playthrough, I went with the devil. As uh, V decides to help uh, Takamura get revenge on Saburu. No, revenge for Saburu, sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you basically go, you, you take a meeting in Arasaka headquarters, and then suddenly um, Yoronobu launches an attack on you all, and you have to fight your way out of the, the mega building. You Eventually, you, you do get revenge, you kill him, um, and then you're... Your, your payment for it is basically Arasaka, they lock you in a space station and do experiments on you like an unknown amount of time. Just You keep doing these repetitive tasks like over and over oh, again. God. And they're just testing you to see, because like, Johnny's completely gone. In, in my run, Johnny was completely gone. And mm. they were just testing to see what had happened, the, the effects on you. And after the tests were done, they told you that you have six months left to live. The The ship has done so much irreparable damage there's no you're done basically and you have an option to have your consciousness merged into makoshi or to return to earth and live out your final days and i chose to just go back to earth and just die with a bit of dignity and it's the ending is just sees uh, v staring out at, like in a space dock staring at earth like you can hear phone calls from people checking in on you mm. yes and it's like you're just kind of taking in taking it all in that this is it and you're kind of on borrowed time at last you, you, all the, the fighting you did it just didn't work yeah you were done basically that was pretty i felt pretty gutted by that and i was like oh <laughs> yeah it made sense <laughs> it made <sighs> sense because i did basically you literally make a deal with the devil what i should have known i was just desperate i thought well you know i'll give it a try but yeah uh i felt pretty miserable about that one and the, <laughs> the second one i did, got the star and that's when um the you, if you spend a lot of time working with the aldecados the nomad tribe uh, they will help you storm arasaka tower and that help like take out you know get it all done get rid of johnny all that stuff and then it ends with um panam and v escaping night city through like a series of tunnels like and driving out into the desert and it just kind of ends with Pan Am and V sitting on their car and looking at the stars. And there's mm. a suggestion that maybe Pan Am knows somebody that might be at help, but at this point, V doesn't know if he's going to make it to the end. Like it, it's, again, it's got that kind of ambiguous, are you are you running out of time? Is, is this the end? But it was much, it just felt a lot more peaceful this way because you, you were with, yeah. mm. I was with my romance option, I was with Pan Am. Uh, I felt happy. I was free from that nightmare city. If I was going to die, I was going to die happy. And it, it worked for me. Yeah, that was the ending I wanted. Yeah. So I went and looked at all the endings afterwards. And I was like, oh, damn it, yeah. I wish I had that one. I because... did the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, but that was I what I was after. Because I had the option to, because you're talking to Johnny just before you go off and do the final mission about the, your approach. And you have the option of like, well, I had the option of like, because of Romance Pan Am's, like I could call her and ask her and the Nomads to come and help me. But I was like, oh, like, I know what's happened to Johnny's ex and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't want anything bad to happen to Pan Am or the mm. Nomads. So I was like, no, 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 I'll leave them out of it because I was like, game, you're good. If I do that, you're going to kill her. I know you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I was so gutted that I didn't get that one. It sounds like the most hopeful one out of the lot. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 
I think that's what I wanted. I think I wanted a bit more hope at the end. Because mm. V had been through such a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see, like, the idea of V still hustling, like, no matter what, that's kind of, you know, at least you know, life goes on kind of thing. Mm. But I, I am happy with the, the star ending that I got. Less so the devil, but the, the devil one was an interesting one. It was bleak and it, it made complete sense for the world and the choices I'd made. I mm. just I just felt sad. <laughs> yeah. I like that it gives you the choice of just, of you know, of being merged with Makoshi or, you know, living out your days. I think that's, in a weird way, that's quite a nice ending for V to be able to have that choice. Yeah, going out on their own terms. Yeah, like, exactly. I am intrigued by, so there's a special ending where you can just take no help from anybody and it's just a proper suicide run. Yes. And, if you, and there's no respawns. Like, if you die, the game ends. That's the end of your story. And, and if you do succeed somehow... You get one of your previous endings, but no one's dead. None of your allies have died. I feel like that's a cool idea. It's like high risk, high reward. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see that, but I, I know I'll just die yeah, like, was... as soon as Adam Smasher shows up, so <laughs> I, can, I can do it. Oh, oh my Jesus God. Christ. I played that on easy, and that fight was hard. I was I did it on normal, and it took oh. me, I think, so I, I finished the game about 20 to 2 in the morning last night. Because Adam Smasher took me so fucking long. <laughs> and it got to the point where I was just like, no, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm not going to bed until this guy is dead. And then I <laughs> killed him as well. I was just like, nope, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> did you? Uh, did he kill Rogue in your run? Yeah. Yeah, same. Oh, I, I, uh, I nearly finished him off with Rogue's gun. I went and picked it up and like, because oh, he was quite nice. far away from where her body yeah. was. So I had to run all the way back, pick up her gun. And then I just shot him in the head with that. Nice. I, um, I whacked him with a katana. I thought you were going to say dildo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I kept some Fuck dignity you. for the end. <laughs> Fuck you. That would be such a good ending for him. <laughs> yeah, he deserved Smashed it. by a smasher. Especially, uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially after uh, Edge Runners. I'm, I'm very looking forward to killing him again. Like he, he's oh. he's a absolute... He was a piece of shit when you played the original game, all the shit he did to Johnny and just his mm-hmm. general ghastly like the first time you see him the thing he says to Evelyn is just disgusting he's mm. just an absolute monster like just obviously by design he's just upgraded himself so much that he's not a human anymore but he's just a, he's just a fucking scumbag and I'm, I'm I'm very much looking forward to blowing his head off with Rebecca's gun yeah I, I can't I can't talk about that right now I'm too angry I'm too <laughs> angry and too sad about Edge Runners to uh to deal with that at this moment because fuck that guy We'll get we'll get into Edge Runners. On yeah, good, episode. good. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely time to get to the the standout side quest now because I think this is probably going to be my favourite section where we can just sort of talk about all our favourite moments and things that happen with all the many side quests that we get in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. So, come on then, Andy, why don't you break out one for us that we can discuss to kick us off? The one that's always stuck in my head the most is uh, Cinnamon. Yeah. Uh, the one where you, you, you take, like, a job to, like, kill this serial killer for this guy that he's murdered, like, this guy's sister. Or, I can't remember the exact details. It's a family member. And you, you t- <laughs> I remember the first time I played it, I just ran in guns blazing and just immediately died. <laughs> I didn't realise you just have to let the scene play out. I was running and I did it about five times. I was like, why can't I fucking kill this guy? Am I not powerful enough? <laughs> And then I realised you just have to let the dude say, I'm going to... I didn't hear the guy say, I'm going to do it. And I just stood back and then watched it shot dead. And then suddenly the scene starts playing out. 
and the serial killer Joshua steps out and he, he takes a real interest in V and wants V to join him on on his uh, little journey and he's you get this for some reason like Johnny is like well into it. He's like, Yeah, this sounds fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into this. This guy's a maniac. Let's do this. And like yeah. at that point in the game I was like, you know what, Johnny? I'm gonna give you this. Let's get in the car <laughs> yeah, this crazy man. Same thought. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> for you. Why not? Like, you know, I've dragged you around enough places. Let's do this. And then you, Joshua takes you to the house, a house, and that you realise it's the house of one of his, the mother of one of his victims. And yep. that's a really uncomfortable situation. <laughs> yep. And you start realising that Joshua's got this, like, messiah complex. Like, he's, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on in his head, but he seems to think he's, he's like a Christ figure, or, or Christ, literally Christ. It's... It's just it's really weird and compelling and like there's no action happening or anything like you're just going from place to place with this guy and having conversations about his beliefs, his faith and like there's and with him, I forgot to say, is like a media character, like <laughs> I love her. planning to like record his he, he, what he's wanting to do is get crucified and have it recorded as a brain dance so other people can play it and experience the crucifixion it's like it's like a cyberpunk spin on the passion of the christ like feeling the the misery and the pain and the sacrifice of christ to become more connected to him and i it's thought that so was, catholic it, it's really catholic and really <laughs> really grim grimly compelling because especially in the context of this world because like it felt like science has made companies gods and allowed mankind to just drift further away from its own humanity. And the idea of someone trying to rekindle faith in this world, like it was, just, it was really fascinating to me. It's this debate about gods and worlds where like science has like basically eradicated him. I just couldn't stay away from it. I just felt like there was all these, always these options just to say, you're crazy. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> and like, <laughs> And it wasn't even about the money for me. I just wanted to see how it was playing out. There, you, I was being—I mean, you were offered initially money to just walk, and then you were offered money to take part in the crucifixion. Mm. And I was just like, "Yes, literally." Yeah, like, I, I couldn't thought, wow. do that. I, I went free with it because, like, I just felt like this guy. I thought you were going to say that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he'd invested so much of him. I, 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 for a while, I thought he was full of shit, but then he was in the moment he asked for you to come to him before the end. And he wanted you to pray with him, and it felt it didn't feel insincere at that point for me. And I just felt okay. I always find the idea of people finding faith in struggle interesting. Like my favorite Scorsese movie. Some of my favorite Scorsese movies are the uh, fucking hell, what's it called? The Jesus one. Goodfellas. <laughs> the last Temptation of Christ. The Last Temptation yeah. of Christ. Yeah. Last Temptation of Christ and Silence. They're both great movies i'm not a man of faith at all i don't believe in god but i i I love stories about people finding god and connecting to it and like literal gods finding humanity it's there's a whole it's a really interesting thing to me and just happens to be always scorsese that managed to nail it for me (laughs) but i found i found this kind of (laughs) similar pardon the pun (laughs) 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 it was just i I went through with it like it was really somber and sad and like it was really difficult to go he was screaming and it is very upsetting it shook me a lot and it's not just that he obviously this was an an unwell man but like he 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 felt like he was doing something good but it was more in the media exploiting him for that like Mm. taking Mm. advantage of an ill man basically i I was kind of sad and angry and it's very complicated There's, there's a lot of ideas at play in this side quest and you don't 
shoot a single person really because if you try you get killed immediately (laughs) (laughs) it's it's one of my favorite cd project red side quests i think like it's up there with like the bloody baron in witcher 3 for me it's it's such a interesting idea and lots of restraint at play and lots of ideas and that kind of mix with the main campaign a lot addressing like ideas ideas that they can't touch on but it still feels like it's touching on the themes and the dramatic tensions of the loss of self and the nature of the soul and whether humanity is evolving or drifting away from itself it's a lot of cool stuff that it was doing it its own way which is what i feel a good side quest should do yeah that complement the main campaign but do it in its own way and i i really love the the touch as you're wandering around the city after you complete the quest you start seeing posters for passion which is the BD yeah, that they produce. Yeah. Um, and I found that really haunting because um, I stayed for the crucifixion. I didn't take part in it. And it was honestly one of the most sickening sequences I've ever seen in a video game. Just for the sheer kind of willing brutality of it. Like he was perfectly happy to have that done to him, even though you could hear him screaming in pain. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I think it's... Again, it's another one of those where it doesn't give you the answers. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's very ambiguous as to whether, you know, he's going to have a nice effect on life. You know, the, he wants to have a positive kind of return to faith. But is that going to happen? Or is it going to be that, you know, he's just a billboard that people ignore? Um, and yeah, it's it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, or like, is he going to be like a bit of titillation, like like sick kind of like yeah. fascination like a snuff movie or like mm. something you see edgelord sharing on discord and stuff nothing not something <laughs> that people are taking to be meaningful for them something people are just getting kicks out of there's a lot of there's no it doesn't tell you how things are going to play out and i felt very uneasy when, as i was leaving i felt like i was helping him but walking away because normally when i've done with the cyclist i'd bolting away to, to the next thing but i I just purposely moved very slowly away from that scene and out of the building and to my yeah. car. I was walk. I just needed the time to kind of process what I'd just done and what what I'd just <laughs> been part of and all the bigger questions. And I just, it was and I had right up to the very end and played through it like twice or three times now. Like I still don't know how I feel about it, but I just feel like it, it, it's just a very it's just an excellent side quest. Just really unique. And I think it's one of the best examples of what I was saying earlier about how this game kind of plays with your expectations of how things are going to go. Because you start that mission because someone just hires you for a very normal job and you think it's just going to be a very normal side quest where you can help this man who's trying to get revenge on a serial killer or maybe persuade him to, you know, revenge isn't the way sort of thing. And then he just gets shot dead in the street and you're like, okay, where is this going? And then you have a long series of what the fuck moments <laughs> as this story unfolds. Because you're just like, what the fuck? He's dead. What the fuck? This is it. Okay, we're in a victim's house. What the fuck? And maybe, you know, much like Johnny, I didn't trust Joshua at all. I thought it was going to be like a big ruse and he was going to use it as like an escape plan or something. So it, it's messed with my expectations there in the sense that he is like completely sincere in what he's trying to do, even though he is being manipulated and you can see this media organization they're doing it because they want to sell this XBD of him being crucified. And I really thought when he calls you in for the crucifixion, there was going to be a way in which we could talk him out of it, save him stop him from going through with it, just shoot everyone in the studio. But if I'm right, you can't even pull your gun out when you're 
when it's happening no. okay. because I, I was like Becky I was like there's absolutely no fucking way I'm going to do this <laughs> not just in a character way but just in a me kind of way it's like I don't want to crucify yeah. anyone even in a video game but I did hang back because I was I was expecting something to happen a last minute thing to stop this but nope he just gets crucified and then you hear from the media woman later on you can do some more jobs for her uh yeah it's it's mind-blowing that that whole side quest about the things that and the feelings and thoughts that it just leaves you with when it's done whatever you did whatever actions you took along the way it's it's incredible an incredible piece of writing Becky, would you like to discuss another side quest at all? Yeah, so the one um, that I picked out was um, Dream On, mm-hmm. which is part of the Jefferson Perales. Is that his name? Yeah. I did yeah. write it down, but my writing is messy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's it's reasonably far on into their particular quest line. You're investigating a break-in into their home. And then um, you discover that people have been messing with their minds and changing their memories and uh, changing sort of like their feelings and their attitudes to try and make him less politically viable as a candidate because he's running for mayor. And there's a bit where you discuss with his wife um, who asks you not to tell him that this has been happening because she doesn't want him to lose focus on the campaign. It's such a self-contained horror story that it runs parallel to what's happening with V, only she's conscious of the fact that her, her mind's being rewritten. I love the fact that we're using our own pronouns for our own Vs, by the way. I think that's really <laughs> interesting. I really love that it's it's terrifying and it doesn't it doesn't oh, shy yeah. away from, from being terrifying. And, you know, Johnny's there with you all along providing commentary on how um, of an over overstretch this is for a corporation to get so involved in politics but on such a granular personal level and I just found that quest so interesting and I wanted to know whether you decided to tell him or not before I reveal whether I did or not I I did I told him I didn't tell him I didn't tell him I regret telling him if that helps what what happens when you, you tell him well, I mean, unsurprisingly, he becomes this massive, paranoid mess of a human. Oh. You know, you were talking earlier about the phone calls you get through the credits. You, I got one from Jefferson where he was just talking about all this crazy shit and how he doesn't trust anyone. He thinks his wife's involved now and stuff. And, like, I don't think there's a good option in this no. because if, I, no. if you don't tell him, then I guess he just gets continued to be controlled. Yeah. But, like, yeah, who do you trust in that scenario? Do you know the wife's involved or not? Like, there's just no easy answer for this one either. Like, this is, I made a note of this one as well because it's one of my favourite because I was thinking about this for days, like, and trying to work out if I did the right thing or not and just how scary it is because obviously we don't live in a cyberpunk universe, but if this happened to us, you wouldn't know. You just wouldn't know. Yeah. And you'd just be cracking on. I could be, Andy might have a plant in me. It's like, right, you're going to do this podcast with me and we're going to talk about video games that you definitely love. And I wouldn't know. No. I I didn't do that, right? Well, you say that, but... If you did, I think you'd have stopped playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey a lot earlier. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's my spinning top. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But I had to pause the game before making the decision because I was like, I don't, I genuinely don't know. Like, me personally, I would have told him because, you know, it feels better to tell the truth. Like, it feels better to be honest with someone. But how I was playing V was she was trying to be the rescuer so it was 
well, to rescue him, you don't tell him. Like, so, yeah, it was a really interesting, horrible choice to make. And just, yeah, the thought of it, of that kind of level of influence happening without your knowledge. And especially in a world where you see things like Facebook memes deciding political candidates, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's such a um, an extreme version of that that just feels terrifying, like truly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it really fucked me up that it's very disturbing when when you realize there's like a hidden room in their apartment Mm. and you're like oh no what's happening here and at first you think it's just like a stalker or something but it gets so much worse yes and you start but i i i think ultimately i decided not to tell him because i felt like if he's unaware he's just going to be okay he's he's not going to know anything bad's happening to him he's going to be content happy whatever whereas if as v knowing their mind is just deteriorating and being replaced i'd rather not know i'd be happier not to know if 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 i had the option of not knowing johnny silverhand was going to be just just taking over my my mind i would choose that option just to be happy in like ignorance i thought i I was helping him kind of but then i felt terrible afterwards (laughs) yeah i've just created a horrible precedent here like i mean they, they probably wouldn't stop doing this to people anyway but i feel like i played a part in that like now they know they can get away with it they're just going to keep doing it and the political future of the entire city is just fucked yeah <laughs> up for grabs. <laughs> yeah because well, that's that's the only reason oh sorry oh, sorry i was just gonna say because you mentioned him calling you at the end of yours he called me at mm. the end of mine as well when he's mayor of night city so he is successful um if you right. don't tell him i think so, he's yes. successful oh. both ways but to different degrees of yeah. success like, but so he's perfectly different. happy and you know yeah. but he's not because that's what they're telling him to I feel. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah the only reason i decided to tell him because i was the same i had to pause it and have a big debate was i felt like with with cinnamon like uh, cinnamon <laughs> cinnamon um, <laughs> with cinnamon <laughs> the uh obviously if you decide to leave that's you know that's it the end of it you know if you walk away so i felt like if i didn't tell him that would end the storyline and mm. it would just be like, that's what it is. And I kind of thought, well, if I do tell him, maybe there'll be a way in which I can help him at some point. I'll take out whoever's doing this and I'll you know, get all the stuff out of his head. But no, that wasn't an option. Whatever you decide is the end of that quest. Yeah. And yeah, you upset his wife if you tell him as well. She's, I think she sends you a text message and it's just like, why the fuck have you done this? Um, so yeah, that was the, that was my rationale. It didn't help either way, and there's there's just no good. It's all terrible when it comes to this. <laughs> there's no winning thing. in that kind of world. Nope. In the political mm. sphere. Yeah. There's yeah, one as well. Side mission. Just just on no winning. Uh, there's one I wanted to mention in relation to that. It's, and it's just one of the gigs you go on. It's not even a full side quest. But you find um, a veteran who's been abandoned, and he's in the early stages of cyberpsychosis. And he's stolen some meds that you're tasked with getting back. And I ended, I accidentally killed him the first time because he, he made me jump and I just shot him in the head. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, so I reloaded it and went to play again and ended up having um, a conversation with him. And he eventually he just goes, just take them, just go. And as you leave, you hear a gunshot and you come back and Johnny stood next to him, who he's now a dead body. And he's just, he says how awful it is that he's been abandoned. And, you know, and I played through it again because I was like, oh my God, does he survive? And I 
couldn't get him to stay alive and I felt so terrible that this man had like died alone abandoned by the people he committed to you know his life to and he's got all sorts of augmentation and stuff so he's obviously been injured over the over his military career and yeah and that was just a side gig that I just I picked up and Regina Jones called me afterwards and was like great job and I was sat there like was it though Regina was it (laughs) she's pretty that crying on the curb (laughs) (laughs) yeah just sort of stood outside on the pavement like (sighs) cry having a cry (laughs) yeah some of the um cyber psycho stuff is really interesting and um because there's is there about 12 or something you need to take out for Regina 17, 17, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Becky. It's all right. The 17th eluded me for the longest time. <laughs> <laughs> but the, one of the ones from there that really sticks out to me is the wedding one, where I need to remember this. So there's like two people getting married, but the sister is augmented to look like the wife so she can have some sort of revenge on them. And you end up going to this very sort of bloody wedding affair. Like... I really liked that. I thought that was a really interesting sort of mini story mm-hmm. uh, outside of all the side quest stuff. I really enjoyed the guy who was just shouting at a door. Like, he was my favourite, <laughs> who was just really angry with a door. And I was like, do you know what? I get it. Doors are hard. <laughs> just if you Batman. bring up Batman right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know me too well. <laughs> Chip, do you have a quest that... I, I, I do. It's the hunt. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be. Uh. I've written it down as well. Yeah, it, it. I think that we've mentioned two of the big ones that I want to talk about, and this is the third one because, I mean, essentially it's Seven, the video game. Um, <laughs> this is when you meet... It's kind of after you meet Riverward because you meet him for a different quest, but then he calls you and says, like, actually, can you help me with this? Yeah. Where you're tracking down Darling a river. very... <laughs> a lovely heart, heart-shaped heart river. <laughs> yeah, you're, basically, you're tracking down uh, a serial killer who is grooming... Is it just teenage boys or just kids in general? It's teenage boys, yeah. Teenage boys, boys, yeah. yeah. And uh, sort of feeding into their sort of loneliness and anxiety and anger and tricking them into coming to his very horrible barn where he will sedate them and put feeding tubes over them and have a very unpleasant situation that you find later on. Mm. Um, And Riverward's uh, nephew has been taken. He's one of the victims. So you're helping him track down because his bosses don't want anything to do with it. And I like, there is some horror aspects to this, like body horror and that sort of thing. But this, like in terms of a horror as a genre, this was the most horrific one in the entire game. I think mm. it's so dark, so dark and so horrible and such a great mission. But, oh, it gave me the heebie-jeebies. One of the twists I love is the fact that they've already caught the guy. Yeah. At the mm. beginning. He's a vegetable, basically. Yeah. And it's about finding the vic- well, finding his kidnapped victims before, you know, they die. And I thought that was a really interesting twist on, it wasn't a whodunit, it was a, you know, <laughs> save everyone rather than the mystery. <laughs> We're done it? Yeah, we're done it. <laughs> you were done it, yeah. Thank you. We're done I was it. trying to think of the word. I was like, it's not a how done it, and it's not a why done it. <laughs> the why done it element is fascinating as well, because you, you yeah. have to do a lot of brain dances to like try and get into this guy's head, and his memories are so scrambled and distorted, and it's like being stuck in a nightmare. It's some really unsettling stuff. I didn't like watching the brain dances. I, was, I kept <laughs> pausing. I, was like, I don't want to see what happens next. Every time Wait, that but... cartoon came on, I was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> so I remember the bit in the school where he's a little kid and he gets up and starts running after the teacher 
and I was like, oh no, he's going to murder that teacher or something. I was very, I paused the brain dance. I was like, I don't want to see what happens. This is just going to be upsetting. It's just this, it just keeps taking you further and further into this guy's psychosis. Like, like seeing his father at the farm with his face off, like scrambled and like you can't see his face properly. It's just, oh, it's just really, it's, it's like seven, but like you, you're stuck inside John Doe's head. Mm. And like you can't get out. It's very unsettling. I, I do like though that how many different elements there are to that mission because there's a lot of detective work in it. Like it's almost kind of Batman esque in the way you kind of have to look through these brain dances and work out what's going on and help River sort of just figure out where the heck all the victims are. Like I thought it was quite varied, and I, I think a lot of the side quests are quite varied in terms of what you actually have to to do. Yeah, the the um, you also do a stealth thing, breaking into the police station, like mm. for a bit. Uh, I, I liked that bit as well because you, you could find uh, Lou from Death Stranding. Yes, <laughs> that was that. Like, Lou, Lou, what are you doing I completely here? Missed that. <laughs> I just sort of so, like turned around and saw the tank and was like, "Oh my god, it's Lou!" <laughs> like River was talking to me. I was like, "No, no, hang on, Lou's here." <laughs> you beautiful large man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just keep those muscular shoulders right where they are for a second. I bet you had to put your hand on his shoulder as you said that as well, oh, didn't you? Hun- <laughs> like in my heart, I did. <laughs> it's a really good. It's like, and I like that again. It's not a side quest built on combat, like conflicts. Like the most you might have to do is like take on some turrets mm. in, at the farm, but I just taxed them all and like shut them down. Same. I did walk onto a mine at one point because I forgot they were all. There. It's like what are all these? What are all these lights on the floor? <laughs> Oh fuck! Rose, like you okay there? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Missing okay. a leg, but sure, I'm good. <laughs> I'll just I'll just take some medicine and I'll be all right. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a really good, like really compelling. And again, it's, it's different to the other two side quests we've talked about, and they're all quite interesting because they are like low on like combat scenes. Like a lot of the, I think they use the side gigs and stuff like that for to give you most of the combat yeah. stuff you want to yeah. do. But whereas the side quests get have more freedom to tell stories, which is what I like about side quests. Yes, me too. It's yeah. the best part of all of these. The stories are amazing and all horrifying as well, actually. I've noticed the theme yeah. of these three. I, th- I think they really burn on your brain, these ones. Like I know the, like, the three we've talked about really sat with me for a good while after I finished them. There's a lot of like quests, side quests, like the um, the one with clouds where you're... Um, you work with the mocks to take over the the club and things like yeah. that that are good but they didn't they didn't sit with me anywhere near as long as these did they they really kind of mm. burrowed into my brain the, the other thing that seeded in my brain was that man that had a malfunctioning dick <laughs> yes that's <laughs> so early on that one isn't it dick is just like going berserk <laughs> and I, I i couldn't i didn't have a car with me and like I, <laughs> yeah. I think i found him when um my car was still broken it hadn't come back from the shop so like I just I had to run around trying to find a car I could break into with my stats. <laughs> I came back and it was done. Like, so oh no. <laughs> so, so I made sure next time I didn't find him until I had a vehicle I could take him on. Because <laughs> I wanted to see that story through to the end. I love it when like there's a load of kids crossing the road and he's like, just run him down, yeah. just run him down. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny quest. It felt like such like a GTA kind of quest of GTA set yeah. in the future. That felt very GTA to me. So I, I was a big fan of that. Just like that was one of those instances where I didn't realize I was going towards a side quest. I just stumbled upon him. It is actually I've noticed it is actually marked on the map normally, but I just kind of stumbled across it because I was going somewhere else and I saw him and went, "Help me!" <laughs> oh my god, what's wrong with your penis? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the future is terrifying. And really, really <laughs> obsessed with genitals. Yeah. <laughs> Games Master was ahead of its time. <laughs> uh, well, I, I have some honourable mentions of things I'm just going to sort of mention in passing because I do think we could spend an entire series talking about a lot of these side quests and details. So uh, I really liked Johnny and Rogue when they went on their date. I thought that was, oh, that was a really nice way to explore a relationship, but also heartbreaking it's as well. So bittersweet, that one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I really enjoyed finding Skippy, the talking gun, because that was my gun for the rest of the game then. I kept that. That oh, was amazing. I missed this one. I don't think I found oh, Skippy. Oh my god, there's a gun that talks to you and hums a Rihanna tune all the whole time. It is so cool. What? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, have to find okay. I'm making a note for this playthrough. Yeah. Next playthrough is please find Skippy, the talking gun. Okay. It is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Everything for Judy, because I really love Judy. She's one of my favourite characters. Uh, I did try and romance her, but obviously being male, she didn't want that. But in the end, I was quite happy that we were just best friends. And I was absolutely devastated at the end of her story when, I mean, good for her because she gets sort of... a as much of a happy ending as anyone in this city can but she leaves yeah she goes away but i missed her so much i would call her every now and then just to check in and see if there was any new dialogue options but i thought she was such a great character and in the end i was really glad that we were friends because i really like platonic relationships in sort of media stuff yeah um so i thought she was really great i had a similar um with panam the way we became like best buds which i really loved I bet she's a good mate, actually. Yeah, yeah. she's fun. Yeah, I love Pat. Yeah. She's great. I love Judy as well. They're, they're two really strong M- like NPC characters. Like, mm. Very strong writing. They feel very distinct. So I, I always enjoyed having to do a mission or like a side quest with them. Yeah. So, so I, always, I always had a good time with those. I, I, I did like... Uh, fucking hell, what's his... Co- I, I always called him Grenade Face. Uh, like oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, when i stumbled upon him i was like what the fuck and he was like absolute maniac i think i did end up killing him on my first playthrough i can't I remember like, you know what? what happened i just remember being like fascinated by his face and just trying to work out what was yeah. going on it took me ages to work out like how it was working <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i love that you he because he ends up being one of the fighters you have to fight in the fight pit missions oh, yeah. and if you do punch him in the nose you kill him <laughs> because he explodes <laughs> so i did that first of all and i was like no i love you so i reloaded it and i was just doing body shots afterwards and he does give up in the end so you can save him but yeah if you want him too much <laughs> in the face he explodes That's yeah hilarious. i didn't do any of the five hits ones because i was terrible at the melee combat so <laughs> i waited away in planted with like gorilla fists so i was extra yeah, extra yeah. i did that on my second player like the, the final fight final fight you have to face an absolute fucking nightmare i got um mantis <laughs> yes. arms instead of gorilla arms oh they're good Ooh, yeah. that was so nice. much fun i really enjoyed decapitating people <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna edit yep, that out thought of you context, would. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we've touched upon some of the characters that we can actually romance so i want to hear about your romantic tales in the world of night city becky i think we know who who I romance. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> oh, River. No, I mean, I was romancing Judy, but then River showed up and I was like, no, no, look, look at those arms in that vest. And uh, the, yeah, that was, that was what happened. Um, but <laughs> so, <Solid talk>. <laughs> <laughs> so I was playing this one morning before work and it just happened to be, the water tower scene with River, which culminates in a sex scene, if you take it forward with the romance option. And Danny, my partner, had popped up to the shops. 
Um, so I thought I had enough time before he got back to do this all. This is so sus. This sounds so sorry. No, I know. Because I was just like, it's just a bit He's weird with your pot. Come on, River. We've got five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, only we didn't because he came back and walked in as the sexy does it. So oh I was God. sat He's there. He pulled the like a sheet up or something. Like oh, so I'm sat there on think? the sofa, like bright red, <laughs> as Danny walks in, and on the screen, River is grabbing V's boobs from a first person perspective. <laughs> and Danny's like, "Do I need to leave you two alone? Like, are you?" <laughs> I don't think either of us stopped laughing for about 10 minutes. It was so oh, awkward because then I had to pause the sex scene because it was just too weird. <laughs> so ever since we joked, like whenever I've been playing cyberpunk, Danny's been like, do you need some, do you need some time with River? I'm like, no. And then he was watching me play the game when River started sexting me. And I was like, oh my God. Oh God. Wow. So God. yeah, shameless. I know. But Doing it for your this- boyfriend. I know. I felt really bad. <laughs> <laughs> when you say he popped out of the shop, so I fucking hell. Yeah. This story, well, it was just like, because, you know, it just felt a bit weird. And yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. But it leads me to my next point. First person sex scenes are really fucking weird. <laughs> Oh, all the time. Like, very all the time. Unsettling. No one looks yeah. like they're enjoying themselves. Half the time they look comatose rather than aroused. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't feel very comfortable with this. <laughs> to, to be Which fair. Which is like, why it's so awkward if someone walks in on them. Exactly. It's because they are so <laughs> awkward. It's not like in a movie, if there's a sex scene, it's just acceptable. But when you've got all these like Pixel. polygons just yeah. grinding around on each <laughs> that, other, it's like, it, yeah, though, yeah. I, I need to choose this. If you watch like any David Cage game or anything like that, like, oh, it's just, we have... The technology has advanced so much, but nobody's managed to make a sex scene look anything other than two mannequins being rubbed together. <laughs> no matter how realistic the facial animations get, it all oh, it doesn't compute. And I always feel really weird about it. So, I... like, just, yeah. No, it's just not, no. <laughs> I feel like they should just stop trying. I yeah. Don't, we don't need this. I'm not, I don't want to be one of those Puritans just saying sex scenes shouldn't be in stories, but... Until it can look like a sex scene and not like just yeah, like just the weirdest, just just CPR fade to black ever. in video games. Come on, especially because like first person kissing in games as well. It just it looks like someone's yeah. looming at you. Like it's yeah, not it very. Close your eyes for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that's why it's, it's weird doing that in real life. You're keeping your eyes open the entire time. And, you know, I'm just gonna look at this person's ear. Right? <laughs> <laughs> close your eyes. Nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're getting a bit close there. <laughs> oh, dear. See, the weirdest one for me was the first sex scene I had, because did you guys get bumpy with the fascist security lady? Accidentally, yes. Yes, I yeah, did. Uh, yeah, accidentally <laughs> is the right word. Yeah. That happened to me at, like, two in the morning when I was playing it. I was like, oh, my God, I really hope my housemate does not come down right now. <laughs> two in the morning is possibly worse than coming back from the shops. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, yeah, it seems like you've waited for everyone to go to sleep to sneak down and have this yeah. weird encounter. It's like being a kid and getting a VHS out and, like, Plugging it in when your parents are asleep, like you saved from Channel 5. Like, yeah. <laughs> not that I did. No, uh, no, no. I feel like everyone's, every boy at least experienced that, so we're fine. I did have Channel 5. <sighs> so, yeah, so um, romance in cyberpunk. Yeah, I, I, there's no point in us saying what we did because we're not going to top that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was Judy and Pan Am. There you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, Pan Am, we banged in a tank. It was really <laughs> uncomfortable. It's like uh, Rusev and Lana at WrestleMania. <laughs> did, wait, did they bang in that tank? They banged in that tank, apparently. Oh, good wow. for them. Clearly tank banging is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a tank and you have a viable why? It's partner. so small and cramped. <laughs> It's on a tank, I'd understand, but in a tank, uh, On a nah. tank sounds even more uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. In a tank, no. you're sat in a chair. Well, yeah, but there's no room in the well, chair. What happens I if mean, you I'm... accidentally fire a missile or something? Like, literally, <laughs> not, you know. At the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen Isn't to all the guys. Isn't that what happens outside as um, Watchmen? They just set off a flamethrower. Yes. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about the yes. film because I hate it so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what about under a tank as a compromise? Fine. Is there room under a tank? We'll find out. I <laughs> don't know why I said we. <laughs> yeah, me and Andy are just off to Russia for a bit. <laughs> that sounded so threatening. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say anything about it. It's threatening, to be fair. So. <laughs> Moving on. Ah, oh, dear. Segway. So part of the reason that we're here today and the reason that many, many people have given Cyberpunk 2077 a try in recent weeks is because of Netflix's anime tie-in show, uh, Cyberpunk Edgerunners. It's become like a really massive hit and boosted the concurrent players on Cyberpunk just like massively. And I think, honestly, it couldn't come at a better time. Like If you want to bring more eyes to the game at a point when the game is in a really, really playable state, like I still think it could use a patch or two, mm. but... It, it like anything that went wrong in that game didn't affect my enjoyment of it whatsoever there was nothing game breaking so to have this device to sort of tie in to the game this tv show and this anime i think it was such a cool idea and it makes my heart happy that more people are playing this game because i did it the wrong way around because i played the game and then i watched the anime um but i just i think it's such a great idea. i don't really know of any other kind of game that's had something like this happen to it where they've had a tie-in tv show or a movie and it's ended up boosting a player base this much no i don't think there has been one in this kit in this style uh usually a, a tie-in is just so bad it doesn't help anybody but yeah. Edgerun is just so <laughs> so fucking good and it it just touched so many people that they and they just were so in love with that city and those characters they wanted more and obviously, Cyberpunk, they had CD Projekt Red added the Edge Runners update, so they added like lots of cool little details from the the show yeah. into the game, like naming a drink after one of the characters, leave one of the characters' guns being found. You can wear the jacket of the main character. Just lots of little things like just to lure people in who really loved Edge Runners and want to have that experience again. It was really, I'm I'm just really happy that so many people started taken up the game because it's like been topping the steam charts and like you said concurrent players has been like massive for like weeks on mm. end it's people uh i remember the concurrent players on steam when it launched just dropping like considerably because not everybody was obviously going to be playing on such a good pc that it would function but now everybody's in a place where they can enjoy this game and it's, it's really nice to see especially when somebody for somebody that was on board with the game from like day one I always felt like a reevaluation was going to come. I didn't think it was going to happen this soon, even with the the next gen patch that happened. And and I never would have imagined a Netflix anime being the thing that like triggered it. But like a lot of intense support from the developers to improve the game and a Netflix anime seems like a 
just a perfect combination. It's just re- that the game was in a perfect state to have this new audience come into it. Uh, it's just it's really nice to see. I, I just I like I like seeing people enjoying things, and it's a massive difference from how people were at launch time like two years ago. It's 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 been nice to see. Yeah, it has. And the show is really great. I love the show. And we're going to do like a spoilery special on that at some point. Yeah. Becky, are you going to watch Ed Rogers? Uh, Ed, Ed, Ed Rogers? Ed, Ed, Ed Rogers. <laughs> I don't know who Ed Rogers, Ed Rogers. is. <laughs> you can watch Ed Rogers. Yeah, you, you should watch Red Rogers. <laughs> and then you should watch Ed Rogers. Rogers <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> Edge Runners. I am never hosting a podcast ever again. <laughs> Edge Runners, Becky, would you like to watch this show? I at feel some like point? I have to now. <laughs> what, because of this? Yeah. So we could come back and talk about Edge Runners. <laughs> You've created a bit, and now it must be seen through to the end. Exactly. As as is the rule of the bits. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I understand. Okay, cool. Uh, no, I do want to watch it, yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm about to have uh, six weeks medical leave where I will need to keep myself entertained. So, yeah, that's on the list. And like excellent, Netflix excellent. has a really good track record with video games, like animated shows yeah. based on video games, as we've said in our episode on like video game adaptations, like just uh, Arcane and Castlevania. Watch Castlevania shows. chip. <laughs> yeah, I will do. I just said they're live action stuff, not so much not, though, because no. the Resident Evil show. Oof. Yeah, but that, anything animated is just like, boom, perfect. Like, so, like, they really put their best foot forward, CD Project Red, when deciding to go the anime route. And it's, I'm just really, again, I'm just really happy to see the, the temperature turn around on this game. Like, it's really rare that this happens. Like, if you look mm. at the history of games that launch horribly, especially as horribly as Cyberpunk, like, very rarely you get games that make a comeback. Like, Aliens, Colonial Marines, Fallout 76, Anthem, it just goes on. All these games that just, they started bad, that was their reputation forever. Even if they got kind of improved upon, like apparently Fallout 76 is almost functional now. Like people, <laughs> it's almost a game now. <laughs> it's just people just don't care. Like the, the reputation's done and that's what it's always going to be. It's like the only other game I can think, other games I can think of that have ha- had this kind of renaissance, uh, No Man's Sky and Final Fantasy fourteen. It's, yeah. it's such a rarity that a game can just pull it all around and become such a massive hit after being one of the biggest jokes in the industry and i like the fact it's still adorably janky in places as well like (laughs) they haven't sanded it down like too much like obviously i've never had anything world break uh, world breaking or game breaking happen but i have seen things like two people in a car driving down the road when the car disappears so it's just two people sat in thin air going down the road (laughs) or like once i called my bike and the bike kept going, so I was like running down the street after my bike, trying to catch up with it. And it was always ten meters ahead, which was very entertaining until I realised I, I was never going to catch up with it. <laughs> so I think, like, yes, it's amazing that they've managed to pull it around, but I also think it's wonderful that you know there is still that level of jank to it. I, th- I just think it it just it adds to the character of the game. You know, it's always going to be a bit rough around the edges, and that's fine because you know. So is Cyberpunk, so is V. You know, it Sky, makes sense. Skyrim, Skyrim and stuff like that. Any game this scale is going to have shit that you can't catch exactly. until it happens. Exactly. It's <laughs> part of the fun. Like, as long as it doesn't break the game, 
it's it's something you can just laugh at. Like it's it's yeah. I I I'm happy that there's still some weird. <laughs> I've had some weird like moments where like cars just like run me over. Like my own car runs me over when I'm trying to like run up to it. It's just, <laughs> no, I'm not stopping. I'm coming to the point where you called me for some reason. <laughs> and I thought no, I'll help you. I'll come to you. Like, now. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are just some murderous bugs in the game because I had my favourite one where I helped some nomads in the city. And we sort of said goodbye and you know, mission complete and all that. And then I was just like turned around walking away. And I heard this like horn going and then I got hit by one of their cars. They just <laughs> ran me down. And I got straight back up again to see the second car <laughs> horn and then run me down again as well. And I, yeah, it's those little things I do love. And I think this game is in a much better state now than any Bethesda game that I've ever played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, 100%. Every, Every single one of those, I've had some sort of game-breaking thing. Like, I got stuck in a room in Skyrim because it broke, and I had to reload a really old save to keep playing that game. So, yeah, I think if anyone has been on the fence about buying this game, like, it goes on the sale all the time as well. Yeah. I bought it for 20 quid. It's on PS Plus, like, the top-tier one, I think, as well, if you have that. So, I, I can't recommend cyberpunk 27 enough i think it's one of my favorite games of all time i really hope people continue to pick it up and you know if you pick it up and you play it and you don't like it that's absolutely fair enough you know no problem at all but i really do think more people are going to like it than don't and i like uh, like cd project red's response to this sudden success has been interesting i feel like we can't really get around not talking about all the recent announcements like Mm. Usually they were a one game at a time studio, but now they're doing a cyberpunk sequel, an entirely new Witcher trilogy, and a remake of the original Witcher with yes. or without sex Pokemon. We do not know yet. <laughs> it feels bold, like given what went down with cyberpunk, but it does seem like they're doing things differently this time. They are sourcing some of these games out to other studios to make for them, and they're abandoning the Red Engine and using Unreal Engine 5. So like they're spreading the workload, they're using a much more stable and reliable game engine. I'm I'm really hopeful that they have learned their mistakes and they're going to actually just produce good, functional games. Because The Witcher Three was like that was spot on basically from launch. I'm hoping the next game they release, whatever that will be, is just as good. I really hope so because we need more good Western RPGs. Since Bioware yeah. fell off and Bethesda. Are gonna release Elder Elder Scrolls Six when we're all dead. No. So, <laughs> I'm gonna just, I'm gonna this. haunt them if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be so upset. Like, I mean, I'll be okay as long as CD Projekt Red keep making games. <laughs> that's that's, that's my what we need. That's things. why I am hopeful and happy that they managed. I know it's kind of dodgy because the decision makers that caused this mess they kind of got off scot free because yeah, suddenly things yeah. pulled together. But I'm happy for all the developers and the creatives and the people that worked behind the scenes after launch to fix it. I'm happy they're getting their moment in the sun. Absolutely. So that's, that's what I'm taking away from this. That's a really nice point to end it on. I'm happy too. Becky, are you happy? Sure. Just in general. Let's just go with it. <laughs> as long as Danny goes to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I just need my river time. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us for this spoilery special of this very special game. If you have any thoughts and feelings and emotions on Cyberpunk 2077, you can come and let us know on our very special social media platforms. We are One Up Pod on all the things. Come and say hello. I guess you could phrase it as one, you PP odd, if you really wanted to as well. Becky, where can they find you? I am Becky Gracely on Twitter and Instagram. 
And aside from a tank, Andy, where are you? <laughs> I'm on Twitter at truly underscore defective and Instagram at truly defective. Just one word. And you can find me at Chip Thompson on Twitter and come join me on Twitch as well, where I'm Chip Thompson's thumbs. Maybe he'll do a dickhead run of cyberpunk at some point. I'm <laughs> oh my that. gosh, you should do that. Yeah, that would be a fun stream. You vastly overestimate the power of my PC, but thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, I'll get a new one at some point and maybe that could be an option because that could be... That's a really fun idea. Yeah, okay, maybe I'll save that. And thank you as well, because I didn't actually have a good line to go out on. So, yeah, that's, that's bridged that gap nicely. <laughs> you ruined <laughs> it remember... by commenting on it. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Chip. This is, this is what I <laughs> do. Classic you, Chip You've done this with me enough. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> and unlike me, remember, don't be a gonk, get a life, and play video games. Mm.